Ben Smith, I'm a photographer, and this is my podcast, A Small Voice, Conversations with Photographers. Thanks for listening. Hello people, how's it all going? Excellent, that's what we like to hear. Welcome to my podcast, A Small Voice Conversations with Photographers. It's Ben here. It's episode 78. This week my guest is Armenian photographer and Seven Photos member Anush Babajanian. Uh, If you would bear with me for a minute or two before I introduce Anush properly, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the fully awesome Charcoal Book Club, the world's first book of the month club dedicated exclusively to photo books. Each month, Charcoal works with the most respected photographers and publishers in the industry to send hand-picked books directly to your door. Whether you are a professional artist or photographer with a stock library or a novice who's just beginning to build their collection, Charcoal Book Club is an easy and affordable way to stay up to date on the most essential work in contemporary photography. The club offers free shipping to the UK, Canada and the US and members get exclusive perks such as signed copies, access to rare titles, members-only pricing in their online bookstore and more. Book of the Month for May is the just-released Martha by the brilliant Sean Davey, who you can listen to on episode 66 of this very podcast. And I can testify to the beauty of this book because I bought it last week at the launch party over at Trolley Books, where a fine time was had by all, including the eponymous Martha herself, Sean's stepdaughter, and many of her friends who feature in the book and who were signing books with gusto while simultaneously drinking the place dry. Anyway, the point is, I have that book. Does that mean I have no choice but to end up with two copies? No, it does not. All I have to do as a member on Charcoal Books' annual or quarterly plan is let them know, and I get to choose a different title from their extensive and lovingly curated library. It's like Christmas once a month, basically. I'm absolutely loving it, and I bullshit you not, people, because I wouldn't do that, and I wouldn't have anyone less than awesome as a sponsor on this podcast. Yet again, Charcoal are extending a very special introductory offer exclusively to small voice listeners when you sign up any photo book of your choice from their library for free go to charcoalbookclub.com and use the special code of small voice when you sign up to receive your free book for the latest and greatest photo books delivered to your door with free shipping and no hassles check out the charcoalbookclub.com on a mission to inform the mind and inspire the soul if you like the podcast leave a review on itunes you can make a one-off donation or become a patron by signing up for a very small recurring subscription at bensmith.com slash a small voice God bless those of you who have done or continue to do that. I do really appreciate it. If you want a new Squarespace website, let me know and I'll build you one for a stupidly competitive price. (sighs) Take a breath. So, Armenian photographer Anish Babajanian is a member of the Seven Photo Agency. Her work is focused on social narratives related to women, issues of minorities and the aftermath of the conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh, among other subjects. In addition to working extensively in the Caucasus, she continues to photograph in Turkey, the Middle East and West Africa. Much of Anish's recent activity has been dedicated to peace-building processes between Armenia and Turkey. In 2016, she co-founded the Bridging Stories Project that brought together young photographers from Turkey and Armenia in an effort to build peace between the two nations. Before joining Seven, Anish co-founded and was a member of Women Photographers Collective 4+. She received a grant from the Open Society Foundation's Documentary Photography Project in 2013 to assist with her continuing work between Armenia and Turkey. In 
and her photography has been published in the New York Times, the Washington Post, National Geographic, Foreign Policy Magazine and various other international publications. Lovely talking to Anna. She's a very wise woman for one so relatively young and this is full of learnings and nuggets of wisdom that many of us, and I include myself in that, could gain from. So enjoy the warmth and wisdom of Anish Babajanian. Did you do a seminar here? You were going to do something called self-awareness while storytelling. Is that the one you, you did? That's correct. What That's is, what I did. Tell me about what that means and um, what that was about. Hmm. Well, um, I'm a firm believer that we as storytellers have to also be very much aware of who we are before we approach the stories, what our personal interests are to the story and how we connect to it on a personal level. And um, that, uh, in many cases, connects to stories that we spend time on, um, longer projects, but not necessarily very long, year-long projects. But in places where we can be for at least 10 days or two weeks to understand on a personal level how we can relate to it, how our purpose in general um, comes together um, with this um, story that we're working on. And I believe that finding that connection uh, helps create a complete result, a complete story. And it also helps the story to show um, who you are as a photographer because the way we tell our stories shows people who we are and this is exactly why we have to approach stories with great awareness of um, who we are as personalities because that will always show in our stories. Yeah, so it's about... um you know, authorship in a way and, and how, you know, it's as much about, almost as much about the photographer as it is about the the subject. Yeah, could you, could you use one of your own stories to illustrate this? Yes, um, I, well, an example that I spoke about during the lecture is this work that I did in Nagorno-Karabakh, which is a disputed land between uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Um, And there are many large families in this region, and the government gives benefits to families who have um, more than five children. For example, you receive a house and... I was interested in this um, in this um, story of how government decisions affect um, family decisions, and um, I had some time to spend on it because I live nearby and I get to travel there um, pretty often, and it's been um, while working on this project I've um, learned. Uh, this um, act of connecting myself. I've um, uh, approached it that way. I've spent 
time with the families in order to um, show them who uh, I am and how I work and what kind of a person I am and um, kind of brought myself and and delivered myself as a personality to these families that I worked with and only then um, produced um, only then uh, gave out these uh, images together sort of in this collaboration with them in this understanding of my uh, presence and um, also the reasons why I went there were the reasons why I worked on uh, on this on this story connected with my beliefs in general of how i feel children um of what i feel children deserve or of what kind of a, um of what i feel can be um done better what are what i feel is an issue here the story is in many ways about children and uh, in the fact that in uh, some cases in a lot of cases there is not enough attention at the children who are being born because it's just so difficult to uh, take care of so many and and education uh, can suffer and um and um in general, a healthy psychological upbringing um, sometimes suffers. So, so this uh, is how I um, connected to it because my personal beliefs um, uh, affected the, obviously the way I produced it, um, and so a lot of I, I do I do a lot of work with children and. Um, sometimes the fact that I have children myself um, helps it, um, helps me understand. You're coming what, at it as a mother yourself, yeah. yeah yes, what, what the issues are and how the mothers feel. Um, um, and I can then also really understand that if a mother says that I had this child because I needed money, um, there's something extremely wrong in that sentence because I've had a child and I know uh, the reasons why a human ever has a child and uh, having money is a very upright, a very not logical reason. So that ticks, you know, that kind of raises those flags where I can work with it. But, um, you know, uh, you don't have to necessarily be a mother to work on a story with children. Um, yeah, I've worked on stories that are completely disconnected with things that I believe in, mm, like working with soldiers, for example. I, I would never want my son to be a soldier. Um, but... Um, but then you find other ways to connect with these people on a very human level, this understanding where you're in the same area where um, you feel what they're there for and you feel that sometimes soldiers don't even want to be where they are. Uh, and so feeling that empathy for them and, and being together with them. So um, that kind of awareness and that kind of uh, sort of grabbing hold of this situation and really being in it um, is what I mean by awareness. 
awareness of the story and awareness of yourself while you're entering it. Mm. What uh, led you to focus on children for that particular project, though? Because there, there would have been, potentially, there could be many ways to explore that mm-hmm. story. Um, how did you come to that decision? It's more about families in general and the lives of those families. And um, it just so happens that um, a, a lot of the visuals um, have to do with, uh, with children. But obviously there are the adults as well involved. And, um, yeah. mm. and it just so happened. It's so strange. Something has pulled me towards that. I, I just... Just um, in the beginning of this month, I was working with uh, UNICEF, again, families and again, children. And I do enjoy it, but it's um, interesting. I never aimed particularly um, for that. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your own um, upbringing. What what kind of place did you grow up in? Was it a city or kind of small town? Or I know you, you, you obviously you're from Armenia. Um, tell me a little bit about about you know where you grew up. Well, I grew up in Yerevan, which is the capital of Armenia. Um, and the first fifteen years of my life, I lived um, a pretty simple um, childhood with my family. Went to school. I was a straight A student. I was, and there wasn't there were no A's. There were only fives. So I was a straight five student. And then when I was 15, I went to the United States for a year of an exchange, this U.S. government exchange program, and lived um, for a year in Alabama. Wow. <laughs> yes, in that year kind of changed a lot for me. It, um, I was obviously in this teenage um, <clears throat> mood of kind of rebellious um, mood which differed uh, extremely um, from my uh, uh, childhood and behavior at my school in Armenia. I think I kind of uh, exploded and not that anyone um, was uh, in fact um, uh, suppressing anything for me in Armenia, but for some reason, I guess that's what they call adolescence. You know, that's that's what happens. You go, kind of, everything changes for you, and it, and it did for me. It was interesting, but Alabama was the kind of place where I had even less freedom and less action um, around me than in in my city. So. Um, but it was a very interesting learning experience. I really understood a lot about the American culture. Was it a real culture shock to go to? Because, I mean, you know, that part of the States in itself, for even for a, someone from the rest of the country or the West, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty um, much yeah. its own unique um, vibe. Um, so what must for, for you, coming from me, it must have been pretty extraordinary. Yes, well, well, I, I, I'm the kind of personality in general that I take things as they are, and I, they actually prepared us for a culture shock and explained us that you may very likely have one. And what is a culture shock? But I didn't have that. I just went in it. With me, it 
somehow it hits right away and everything is okay. And uh, well, and then um, after the United States, it kind of continued in an American direction. I went to to an American university in Bulgaria, and that's what it's called, AUBG, and I still have a lot of friends from my university. I just had a friend right here in Barcelona who wrote to me and said, oh, you're here. So it was a very diverse um, culture, extremely diverse people coming from all over the world, and I was on a, mm, a full scholarship with the Open Society Foundations, where um, the Open Society has supported uh, a lot of um, my life and work. Uh, so I got my bachelor's degree completely in, thanks to the Open Society Foundations. It was so strange. Um, and um, then I so, returned to Armenia uh, right. in 2016. But it sounds like your, probably your parents were very um, encouraging of you having you know, experiences of, you know, seeing other parts of the world and, and, and you know, uh, getting a perspective hmm. outside of your own kind of immediate environment? Well, my parents were very encouraging of me having education. Education was a very extremely, has always been an extremely important part um, of our lives. And um, we, they never necessarily aimed at uh, seeing the rest of the world, which is actually a very important thing to do. And now I think in those terms for my children. But my parents only thought in terms of um, where is a better place for me to to um, to be educated um, better and so the um, year in the United States felt like a very very good thing in terms of the future the opportunities that it would give me and sure enough in that uh, after that I was able to receive a scholarship and after that I um, went to work with the BBC monitoring when they started their um, service in Yerevan and then with the U.S. Embassy as an uh, internal um, editor. But all of these um, jobs were... I somehow knew since I graduated in 2006 that um, I, I, I obviously... I, I, I wanted to, to take photographs. And it was kind of out of reach it was always out of reach it always felt like I don't have enough opportunity for that I'm not going to make a living and so I would take up a job with BBC and I would take up a job with the like I don't, US Embassy because I thought that you know that's a way to support myself but every time I took up that kind of a job I always quit and nobody let me go, like, ever, you know, at least four or five times I quit my jobs um, wanting to come to photography and then finding out that it's just so not easy. Let me take up another part-time job and then just still letting go of it because this doesn't serve my purpose. This has nothing to do with who I am. And I had to let it go. It was just so not nice towards the people that I was working with because, you know, 
but 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 I always felt that I just really had to be um, honest with myself, and I tried to dig into myself and understand what is it that makes me feel uncomfortable. And as soon as I felt it, I I made sure that it didn't exist. And finally, um, I completely devoted myself to photography. And I learned to find the ways uh, where I only worked in this field because I love it so much. And I find my ways of making a living no matter how difficult it can be, no matter how in, how many hours I spend, I have to spend on this, um, finding the balance between um, workshops and uh, photography and writing and bookmaking um, and obviously very obviously and primarily motherhood, um, creating this balance and uh, also finding my ways to income and balancing that with creativity, with the everything that works with my personal wishes, it happened and it started to happen. And um, you know, very rarely it happens that a person kind of just builds herself up or builds himself self up. There are always people who support and, and that's great and it's needed. Um, and one of the persons who really kind of uh, supported me in my career has been John Stanmeyer, who is who who is a giver in his kind and character, and uh, who got to know me and my uh, and the women's collective that I co-founded when he worked in Armenia, and he really supported our collective, um, the work that we do uh, with workshops and and portfolio reviews and in general just advice just advice about photography and uh, then uh, he also was uh, he's such a friend that I can't even call him a mentor but he also uh, supported me in the um, uh, photography in in my photography in the way that I see he kind of helped me focus my um style in photography and uh, find myself and define myself for for myself and uh, and I'm very thankful for that because I kind of came to a place I brought myself to a place where um, where I never feel lost anymore um, where I, I feel pretty confident um, and I'm a, I'm pretty happy to acknowledge that uh, more, more to myself um, so yeah mm. feels good um so was there a time when you didn't feel confident then was there a time when you did feel lost yes and those were the times when years ago i uh, that i told you about where i had to um where I went to find jobs because i thought Maybe I know that I'm interested in doing this particular project, but maybe I'm not good enough for that. Maybe I'm not a good enough photographer. And um, it took me some time to 
uh, work it out and to understand that there's no uh, such you know thing as good enough or whatever enough it's just uh, work and sure sometimes it's not going to be great but um but it doesn't help if you don't do enough of it and and doing more <laughs> just takes you there and the more you do it the longer you do it the the better you get everything takes time and so and say I started to mm, photograph actively in 2008, and now it's 2018 now. It took me 10 years to get where I am, and so you know it's a pretty it's a period of time. So everything so one has to kind of keep going in one particular direction for some time for a period of time for some things to happen and before a lot before putting a lot of work before putting a lot of time there is no answer to your question whether you're good enough or whether you're talented enough in photography you're not going to give yourself an answer or the answer that you'll give yourself will be well, you know, I don't know. James Nachtway is more, you know, talented than I am, so I really don't have to go there. Like, and 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 does that answer just switch you off and you go no? So those questions are not adequate. You should work and work and let the time pass and. Never lose direction. Get to your mm, long period of time and maybe look back and see. But lack of confidence, it's just completely pointless. It never takes you anywhere. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think maybe the idea of talent in itself is some is somewhat overrated, really. You know, I think uh, almost as you say, work uh, ethic is 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 more perhaps more important yeah and in art as well because people are obviously usually very much afraid of that talent thing in art because oh he's born a talented painter or he was just you know it's just yeah, like it's something just innate a powerful to talented of a photographer he just had it in him or she just she just but don't you feel that it's usually he but anyway yeah, yeah, sure. She just had it in her when she was. Um, she came into the business. She was already great. That happens. That does happen. You know, people kind of their talent kind of shows right away. But we don't pay attention. We stop paying attention at the fact that um, people's talent and work show in ten years, twenty years after they've been working and. Um, and sure, we say, oh, such a talented person, and we forget all of that work, all of the period of time that they worked so hard. So it is overrated because a lot of times our talents also don't correspond to our desires. Yeah, so so part of your concern was was that was really that it was you know could you earn a living because could this be a, a proper job and you, you know, did you find people um telling you that photojournalism is dead and all that kind of stuff which has you know been people have been uh, saying for for a very long time but uh, i imagine people are saying it more now than ever 
Um, I uh, well, I I've read such headlines some time ago, but um, it's never been a popular opinion, I think, and I I never believed in it. But um, I have faced the issue that in uh, if you were going to work in a country like Armenia, there is no field, there is no market, there's just nothing, and. Mm, well, well, okay, there are a couple of photo agencies, which is great, and, and they're doing a great job, but a lot of the work had to be also done by ourselves. We had to, uh, the women's collective that I co-founded, we had to literally work to start and create that market which didn't exist. And a lot of times you don't want to be that person uh, who does uh, so much uh, organizational activity, administration, logistics. This is not what I'm here in this business for. Mm. So um, that didn't work with me. And um, while uh, working with uh, in the field of developing documentary photography in Armenia, I was also and 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 also some people in in uh, my friends, photographers. We always looked uh, in general, like in the um, we didn't focus on Armenia. We just thought in the in the sort of the world in the meaning of the world itself and not just uh, this way we we just didn't uh, we just stopped caring anymore where we are and what we're doing and and i stopped really like thinking that i am i have to be this uh, you know this person who necessarily um sacrifices herself to develop this field that's not even uh, that's so changing every day anyway so i don't know what i'm supposed to develop it's extremely complicated what i'm supposed to build um and so i started to travel to festivals to see editors uh, um see like-minded people and photographers pretty early on uh, and uh, and and just started to look at things in a more uh, global manner, still being uh, focused uh, on my region and on Armenia, and also expanding outside of Armenia in the the region that that I know, Mm, well, the post-Soviet space. Well, you mentioned 4PLUS, so, you know, tell me a little bit more about how it came about uh, initially. Mm-hmm. Well, um, with uh, three friends of mine, uh, we uh, founded this collective that that would uh, empower women in Armenia, women photographers in Armenia, because we felt that uh, we weren't even looking in the direction of the world in general. We were just seeing at that point in 2012 what was happening in Armenia and the fact uh, that uh, so many women photographers documentary photographers were doing wonderful work but it was not seen, it was not exhibited uh, and they weren't earning money Uh, it um, really made us feel uncomfortable and there were a lot of men mm, 
it just so happened doing wedding photography, doing reportage photography. But because of a school, one school that um, existed in Armenia where a lot of the participants and the students uh, were women for some reason. Um, we had this graduated photojournalists who uh, were women and who worked, but who sort of had no support. And so myself and my friends, all women, got together and created this collective. And we started to apply for grants, for support, to <clears throat> raise money for exhibitions, for um, lectures, inviting uh, photographers and photo editors internationally to uh, Yerevan, um, give, and, and organizing uh, workshops, meetings, portfolio reviews, um, presentations, and then also exhibitions for photographers. And now um, I'm not part of 4PLUS anymore. I'm not, I could not be a member of 4PLUS when I became a member of 7. But I'm very good friends with the ladies who work there. And the collective has expanded. Um, and they now have support from an organization where they've started their... They've started publishing stories they're like publisher um publishers now and many of the women now can work on a story bring it to for plus and uh, have it published and be paid for their story so that was one of our purposes where where women could work uh, enjoy their work do the documentary photography to the extent that they like it and then also be paid for it and so i'm very happy that um, that the women are really working on it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And how did you come to join Seven? How did that happen? Was it that you'd al already knew, knew John, you know, for, for, for some years? And, and, you know, obviously he's one of the senior members. I uh, knew John since 2015. And later in... Um, Hmm. I think it was in September 2017, I met uh, several other members of Seven Photo Agency um, in uh, Perpignan, France, during the Visa Polimash Festival. Uh, I met several of the members uh, who were there. I think there was uh, Machig, uh, Christopher Morris, um, Ed Cashy several of them, and uh, introduced myself. I showed them my work, and we had uh, conversations about photography in general, about... Um, and it wasn't only me. I went there with the Women's Collective uh, that I told you about. And uh, we, we all really... Um, got to know uh, these members of seven and then um, in at the end of September or before that mm, there was already a call for membership I think I believe um, I applied uh, for membership um, and um, I was lucky and very happy to to become a member of seven yeah and and um as i only just found out six out of seven of you women were are all fairly new to the agency so they they, they did make a concerted effort you know a conscious effort to bring more women into the agency and this is part of what what we were all talking about what you guys were talking about last night um that you know 
some practical measure has at least been taken. Um, but but you know, how do you see things? That's still only twenty five percent of the total membership uh, is female. Is there any hope of those numbers increasing? Well, um, we uh, we do hope that the numbers will increase, but it's um, not so easy for the agency to deal with so many photographers. Mm, and, uh, you know, compared to the numbers that they had before. And the fact that six more women uh, joined the agency is already a great encouraging step um, that the agency took and we're very happy and we're very proud that we are those uh, women and I think it's like step by step one thing after another Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. well let's talk a little bit about some of your projects we could, we, we talked a little bit about um, Nagorno Karabakh. How do you pronounce it right? Correctly, you just pronounce okay. it correctly. Um, you, you did a little, a little book called The House of Culture, um, which you've sort of is kind of a handmade thing. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, this is something that uh, very much connected to my personality, to my experiences of 2016-2017, when I was going through a pretty difficult time personally. And I took some time to travel a little bit outside of Armenia, in our villages, which are just very sweet, very welcoming but also not really bothering you so you can just be on your own and I discovered these houses of culture which were uh, centers of activity of performance during the Soviet times and which um, very often no longer work and no longer it, it's 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 expensive for some of the villages to take care to allocate finances and uh, build uh, these house and rebuild the houses and so they are these uh, houses that are usually open and one can walk into them and feel this um, memory that they carry where uh, sometimes you'll see those um theater chairs thrown around mm. and the beautiful architecture present but the buildings are sort of dilapidated they're 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 they've fallen into into a state of of, of neglect they are and they're sort of um, falling to nature merging with nature and those were some beautiful moments for me as well to photograph and so the state of these houses and the uh, the solitude that I felt that really connected to me and I spent about two years just taking pictures in those cultures, traveling village after village where uh, finding the culture houses that no longer um, that were no longer active uh, photographing them on my iPhone uh, this is the only project that I actually completely photographed on the um, iPhone and then um, I tried to, to think of different ways try to understand for myself how do I want to show this 
project? How do I see it? And the best way that I came up with was this handmade book called The House of Culture, which uh, has this hardcover, uh, the Coptic stitch, and the cover uh, is this... um, Soft material uh, that kind of feels like a Soviet sofa, <laughs> and yes, and the Coptic stitch is uh, may connect to something Japanese, but it doesn't look Japanese at all. Mm, and the pages are a little yellowish to remind of that time. Um, and there's a little bit of text too that I would write during my travels. Mm, and then the photographs. Mm. Did it help you with you know whatever personal stuff you were trying to to deal with? Did it was it useful? I think so. I think so. I lost track of wh- whether it was helpful to me or not, but I think that's what I began it for. Yeah. But I surely did feel better um, uh, later on. I think the book was part of it because work, this work that I love so much, always helps me. Mm. Always does. And then people liked it, and I was very thankful. Um, I was. It's. 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 Uh, you know, it's a little bit costly because it's a handmade book, and I, I was, I'm very touched, very touched each time a person wants to own it, because um, it's on a personal level touches and almost surprises me each time, and, mm. and it makes me. Well, because you created the whole, not just the uh, the images, but the the physical thing itself. It's uh, it's yes. all you. It's all your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else could we talk about in terms of your stories? Well, um, you've you've done a number of, of of interesting things. You you did a thing about Syrian Armenians. Um, was that was that is that probably the most recent um, of your projects? Or mm. well, the most recent I think uh, is. Uh uh, well, the most recent is the work that I did in uh, Kazakhstan for UNICEF. Okay, mm-hmm. tell me a bit about that. Well, it was very interesting, although um, a pretty short uh, time. But you know, it's um, this is it's this a, is really a, a story about oil. Oh no, it was a story about children. Children. This okay. This is a project Sorry, that um, that UNICEF uh, uh, started to focus on uh, in ending violence against children. And uh, we are photographing some of the cases, some of the success stories where uh, UNICEF as an organization helped families come out of the difficulties. And basically every time we portray the families and the children, it's like an example of what can happen. And how well things can actually turn out, uh, even when you don't believe in it. And it was just extremely inspiring for me. I didn't go uh, with uh, such a feeling. Well, I went positively, obviously, as well. But when you learn the stories of how families uh, that are are really, that something is... uh, something very bad is happening and suddenly these 
patronage nurses come in who are supported by the UNICEF and they bring in psychologists and they bring in social workers and they all work, uh, each doing their part with the parents, with the children. In And when you see that it actually helps, when you see that something actually changed in this family, you understand that, wow, you know, this isn't just some, you know, huge NGO and we have no idea what's happening and uh, what people are donating for. We understand that these people are actually working on um, the very human level and making things happen. And that made me very happy. And right. I was very proud that, um, that I get to document these realities. Yes, yeah, so like you got to see firsthand that that, that these things. At the end of the day, that there really is some practical stuff going on in right. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's not just some abstract there problem. There sure is. Yes. Yeah. What about the um, stuff closer to home? In Armenia, the the Domics um, project that you did. This is something. This is one of those uh, surprising and slightly uh, shocking uh, facts of life, which you know, occasionally come to light um, if someone, you know, like yourself does a, does a story about it. Um, explain what that story is about. Oh, that happened so long ago. Oh, I mean, I would photograph it again, maybe, because uh, so much has changed there. But that was also um, something that I did together with a local NGO because they needed to showcase the difficulties that people were going through because they were mm, victims of the earthquake that happened, uh, I don't know, like... 30 years ago. 30 years ago, and they were still in the same situation without houses. So they really wanted that documented. So these were people who, who had no proper house to live in. Right. Despite right. the fact that, that the earthquake that, that took their houses, uh, you mm-hmm. know, was 30 years ago. And they were still ago. waiting. But this was photographed a long time ago. And um, I think I started that in 2009. Yeah, was that, that was one of your first one of the, projects. Yes, one of the first serious approaches. And um, it was still the time when I was trying to figure things out, when I was when I was trying to set myself free and just only focus on photography. And a little later than that, I managed it. Yeah. Well, one of the different things that I worked on recently was my trip to Africa, which was pretty strange, but I kind of opened the door for myself to explore Africa from now on. So I'm really interested in going back soon. I had a project in um, that I was sent for in um, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. And, uh, but it just so happened that I did something very different as I um, got there and I, as I started working. Um, it's this project that's called Twins of Kumasi. Um, about um, uh, twins who we saw um, along one central street, um, just twins and twins and twins and twins, and all dressed the same, and it was just so surprising. It was in the center of Abidjan, the capital, that I started to 
photograph them and I started to take their portraits. And um, so I have this series of portraits uh, of twins mm. who um, are believed to have mystical powers in uh, Côte d'Ivoire and people donate them money in exchange for a blessing, for their dreams to come true, for their illnesses to be cured. Like I could I could help a blessing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's for m- more serious purposes. And so, and that story was very well received. Um, and that, let's see that, what happens with it. That, w- that was published uh, somewhere, or it was done. Well, mm, yes. It was commissioned by who? Did you say? It was that commissioned. Oh, it was your no, own. Yes, I was on another project with the culture ministry of Armenia, and I did this project completely on my own, on my personal terms. And well, I think. Where has it been published? Uh, the Washington Post and then NPR. Okay. And um, so this was, this was an example of of um, you having been sent there on a on a for a different reason. Yes. And you found your own story to to pursue while you were there. Um, is it, I mean is that something that you kind of see yourself doing in the future a lot where, where you've you know you've already been 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 paid to to, to do something else but. But then you've got an opportunity to find out your own stories while you're while you're over there or wherever it may be. Yeah, well, I wasn't really, you know, sent on an assignment. It was, and I wasn't paid for working on a photographic project. So it was a different kind of a project that the, the culture ministry. Um, organized and so our contract was very different so I was very free to work photographically if I'm somewhere on an assignment I have no interest or uh, time to focus on any additional project yeah. although I mean sometimes uh, I don't know but but there's just no time um, and so yeah yeah well maybe I mean personal projects are always there because uh, you know, that's what keeps us going in our soul. You know, that's those are the things that really move us. Mm. So, I'm thinking about um, doing a thing where everyone gets the same question, right? Well, I've never done this before, so you know, that's like an experiment. Okay. Do you have a favorite photo book? Photo book? Yeah. Or, or are you not even particularly, uh, you know, interested in in looking at, at photo books? I don't know. I do. Uh, I I am interested, but um, well, my favorite book is not a photo book, but it's connected to photography. My favorite photography connected book is Lindsay Adarius' book. It's what I do, and I just love it. And it's so kind of it. Um, it really encouraged me a lot when I read it. Right. It's just the first thing that I can think of right now. Yeah, but yeah. I think probably my favorite photo book is um, Alex Webb's Istanbul, even until now. it's It was printed a pretty long time ago, published, but oh, it was such an inspiration at the time, and mm. it still is. What advice would you give your younger self, let's say your 20-year-old self, yeah. looking back? Uh-huh. Well, to my 20-year-old self, she was a mess, but... (laughs) It wasn't that long ago, right? How old are you now? I'm 34. Okay, right. So, 14 years ago, can't believe I'm 34. No, you don't look 34. I thought you were younger than that. (coughs) 
<coughs> I know, but I am. And um, so to my 20-year-old self, I'd say, you know, you are pretty crazy and, at a, you know, you're kind of chaotic, but I cannot tell you to do something differently from what you're doing because sometimes you just have to go out of the way that was um, that was um, that was given to you that was uh, written out for you in order to make things happen so for once in your life you're doing things that are not the way they're supposed to be and it's okay it's okay, and you're not a bad person for that, and keep doing it, keep doing it, and everything will work out, because it did. I think that's very good advice. What, what advice do you give other, you know, young photographers who, who might come to you, uh, you know, for mentoring or, or mm-hmm. in workshops and stuff? In terms of becoming a photographer, what what sort of things? Yeah, do that's you- easy because the main thing that stops the photographers is is this confidence issue, this confidence matter. You know, I even wrote an essay about it the other day on the plane. I want to like I don't know, put it out somewhere if I edit it. It's the confidence matter. It's to stop asking yourself the questions whether I am good enough, whether I am talented enough, whether I'm original enough, whether I am experienced enough, professional enough. And give yourself an answer that I am enough. Put a period right there and just go work because you're not going to give yourself those answers they're completely irrelevant to the work that you're doing and stop you looking yourself in the mirror imagining that there's some um jesus christ james nachtway out there that's doing things so great and he really does that you are not worthy of making a move outside of your house all of that is just irrelevant throw that out know that you are enough for that particular project that you have in mind and you will make it differently from anybody else and so just go and do it that's again very good answer uh what you know what has being a photographer taught you about yourself Hmm. being a photographer has taught me that I could also maybe be a writer because. Well, yeah. that's where you started, really. I mean, you wanted to you wanted to do that before the photography, right? Well, I graduated journalism, yeah, um, and I wrote before I photographed. That's true. But photography has been this um, this area which I really wanted to fully explore and be in it. And so I spent quite some time, all of these 10, 12 years, um, working in that direction. And it takes a good time to kind of step on your, to be, um, uh, to feel good where you are, to give yourself the right to say that you can also do this, um, you can also give some time to this other thing that you also like to do so i'm slowly little by little giving myself the right to also spend time on writing which i love so much and um and uh and because i've been missing it um 
photography has uh, kind of reminded me uh, of the fact that uh, that I also want to do this other thing. Mm. Is there anything you think back on and think I was completely wrong about that? Uh, in general, in yeah. life, in, yeah, or photography, whichever you prefer. I was um, completely wrong about the fact that about the lack of fact <laughs> that uh, I was not talented enough as a photographer. Right. <laughs> Coming back to that yeah. question. No, I think that's a really know. good theme to keep to keep returning to. Because, because obviously, it's... you know, some things you know how to do, you know what to tell other people because you've gone through that experience. Mm, mm. And so, you know, I would also look at myself and say, oh, I don't know, am I good enough? I don't, mm. I'm really not so certain. And it took me a while to say that, you know, you're just fine. And I was completely wrong to ever uh, think or doubt the fact that I'm uh, talented. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it on that note. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you so much. It's been great to, to talk to you and I really appreciate it. Thank Anish. you thank too, you so Ben. Much. It's been very pleasurable. Yeah, thank I you. enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.